0: This presentation is from UX Australia 2019, Sydney. So I'd like to take a moment to introduce Joel, who's going to be speaking to us about taking a half-done car, driving it at breakneck speed, and completing the assembly at the same time. I can't wait to hear this. So, please welcome Joel.
1: I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, my name is Joel. Uh, I flew from Jakarta three days ago, so you can see from my accents that I'm Indonesian. So let's let stress test whether they can understand my accent. Uh, uh, <laughs> so two years ago, I was in Sydney uh, talking in the same conference, UX Australia 2017. At that time, I talked about how to conduct research in Southeast Asia, because at that time I worked at Uber as their UX researchers. But today I'm gonna to talk a different topics. I'm gonna to talk about a topic called taking a half-done car, driving it at a breakneck speed, and completing the assembly at the same time. So what are these three things? The half-done car is actually my product design teams. Currently I work at Bukalapak in Jakarta, an e-commerce marketplace, that maybe serve around those 240 million people in Indonesia. I'm leading around 144 product designers there. And I would say it's a half-done car. And at the same time, I need to drive it at a breakneck speed. Why? Why do I need to drive it at a breakneck speed? Because of the competitive environments in Indonesia, the push of the investors, and at the same time, I also need to complete the assembly because it's a half-done car. So I'm gonna give you more context why I call it a half-done cars, why I need to drive it at that speed, and how I complete the assembly at the same time. So, this is Bukawapak. So, Bukawapak is one of the four unicorns in Indonesia. And as you see, because this is an e-commerce marketplace, there are so many other competitors in Jakarta, in Indonesia. Some of them are backed backed by a really great investor. For example, SoftBank invested in Tokopedia. Alibaba invested in uh, Lazada. And there is Shopee that already went IPO. And we are one of those e-commerce that really need to fight to get those market share in Indonesia. So it's like a really competitive market. If we don't drive at that breakneck speed, then we will be out from the competition soon. So that's the first context. The next one is, is the hyper growth. So we became a unicorn around end of 2017. And I joined Bukalapak around May last year, 2018. And even in this one and a half years since I joined, our company value has already tripled. So we are already like a 3 billion company at the moment. Our monthly active users doubles in one year. We serve around one million mom and pop stores. So when you think about this unbanked market, instead of converting those users, the 95% of unbanked market in Indonesia, we just create those small hubs in villages where they can use our apps to serve the villages. That's also one of our products. And we we serve around $4 Millions rupiah transaction every month. It's around 400 million US uh, Australian dollars. So there's a second context. There's the third context. Like we have so many products. So we are currently around 2,500 employees at Bukalapak. From those 2,500 employees, there are around 144 designers in my team, and we need to serve and make a lot of products. It's from e-commerce. We also Let people to buy digital products, we help people to pay their taxes, pay their electricity bills, water bills, buy mutual funds, buy market stocks, buy digital golds. We even remind our users to pray five times a day. Uh, You can read Quran, you can read Bibles. we have our own Netflix, we have everything except maybe ride sharing. Uh, So, it's a a lot of products that we need to build. And, but, how about our team? How about my design teams? I will show you the design of our product detail page last year in mid-2018. So, this is our design. Can you imagine? With that design, we became a unicorn. With that all-red design, that shitty design, <laughs> we became a unicorn. Can you imagine? This design is easy. It was in 2018, just last year, not, not in 1990. <laughs> so when I joined Bukalapak, I told my team, hey team, I will never use our app until you change that shitty design. <laughs> I even have a nickname for this. I call it a North Korean design. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Shit, I should not say that. Fuck. But anyway, so that's what I had. So, there are many reasons why at that time we came up with that designs. Like, many reasons. I'll just tell you one of the reasons. So, this is my designer's education backgrounds. 42% of them came from a computer science backgrounds. So, can you imagine? We asked them to design, but they were trained to learn about machine learning, database, computer vision, NLP, data structures, and we ask them to design. 60% of them learn visual communication, so it's better. Like, they, they know how to design, but they learn how to design TVCs, billboard, posters, and now they need to design for these 3 times 5 centimeter screens. of them learn Dutch literature, architecture, accounting, and there are even 6% of them who don't have any bachelor degree. So they just graduated from high school or vocational school and they become designers. So can you imagine? These designers, these 144 designers with these backgrounds need to make a product for 240 million people in Jakarta. So this is my half-done car that I need to work with. So with all of this context, then I can tell you that this is my life reality. That I'm taking the half-done car, trying to assembly, completing the assembly at the same time, and all the investors, all these competitors, tell us, hey, you need to drive fast. You need to drive fast, otherwise you will be out of the competitions." So how do we handle this? How do we handle to make sure that we can still drive fast? I don't want to be I don't want to, before, before joining Bukalapak, I was at Uber's and I work for Asian Pacific market, Southeast Asia, East Asia, and Australia. And then two years ago, we were sold like to, to Grab. So I don't want to be sold twice, <laughs> all right. So I make sure that I want to work very hard so that we are not out of the competition. So what I do, there are a lot of things that I can do as their design lead, right. And you may have all of these terms when you join those design leadership conference. You need to fix your recruiting process, do more foundational research, fix the design process, grow more design leaders, do design advocacy in the company, grow empathy to the teams, research ops, design ops, trying to get that coveted seat at the tables. But can you imagine? Like, why should I talk about that seat at the table where my design is still like that right? so from all of this then i focus on one thing which is the design craftsmanship i remember i remember my time back at uber at that time there is this magician designers let's name it let's name him johnny so johnny is actually behind all of the uber apps that you have the uber rider app the driver app is all like the backbone, the framework, the design frameworks actually was made by this person. Yes, there are like a group of designers who work with him, but actually, if you have a friend who work at Uber's, they all know who is this magician. Like he's the one behind all of this magic that Uber made in their design. So I call Johnny. I ask him, hey, Johnny, if I want to make more Johnnies in my company, what should I do? If I want to make more of you in my company, what should I do? Why you are so different from other designers? So, and then we came up with this conclusion that these are the things that he is so different from other designers. So, for sure he has a wealth of experience and familiarity with design heuristics. He knows how to recognize risks before they turn into problems he can make a great decisions, design decision with, without having to do a lot of research or explore a lot of options. He can see the balance and inconsistencies, and he also can use, utilize his aesthetic taste to solve problems. So from all of this, then, then he said one important thing, that he learned all of this from wins and loses. So with this small insight that I got from him, I'm trying to use my researcher's head here when I try to solve this issue. I'm saying, okay, then I need to make sure that my team also learn from their wins and loses to learn those design intuitions. So I call this initiative Iterative Learning section. What does it mean is that I need to make sure that my team have this iterative learning. However, when I'm designing this iterative learning programs, I'm also doing iteratively. Does it make sense? So it's like iterative learning session. So that's what I'm going to talk today. I will, te- I, will go to- I will go through all ten iterative learning sessions that I have made for the last one years to make sure that our design is not shitty anymore. <laughs> so if you have this kind of team and this kind of design, what will be the first one? What will be the first initiative that you will make? What will be the easiest way to improve the design intuition in your team? Idea? Sorry? Testing? Testing? Sorry? Audience research? research? Yeah. But maybe it's too advanced for us. Look at our design. (laughs) So I'm using this framework to tell you about those initiatives. Basically, I divide all of the initiatives that you have from the one-time initiative to ongoing initiatives, and whether that programs rely on external people, external events, internal events, whether they are more directing or coaching, whether they are more giving you knowledge or is more multidimensional, and whether it's more tutorship or mentorship. So the easiest way, the first thing that I do, as you can guess, is to send them to conference and workshop. Like what you do are doing doing at the moment. So we sent people to Singapore, UK, we sent some of our researchers to this conference last year in Melbourne. We sent our managers to UK for leading design conference. We sent people everywhere. Remember, we have all of those Chinese money that we can use. <laughs> uh, but as you can see, let's say after you hear all of this really cool insight that you learned for the last two days, you, you can be very inspired, but the challenge that I usually face is that it's very hard to apply that to a day-to-day settings. Can you imagine if one of my designers sit here, listen about all of those design with disability, disabled people's AI, privacy, and then we look at our design, like, It's a good thing, but it's very hard to apply at our stage, right? Because we are not even know whether we want to put red or yellow in our design. (laughs) So from this, then okay, maybe we need to change our strategy. Yes, this is good. Conference and workshop is good to give you a new knowledge, transfer this new knowledge to inspire my team, but we need something that is more scalable so that we can also not only send few designers to this conference but maybe it can be it can work for most of my designers so what we do next is that then how about if i just invite guest speakers or tutors to my team so that's what i did either via google hangouts or either we fly people from Amsterdam, from san francisco to jakarta to teach us how to do conjoint analysis how to do generative research how to do ideations how to do to know more about information architecture. sometimes the sessions just was held in like Google Hangout, so maybe it was 9 p.m. in our time in Jakarta, and maybe it's 10 a.m. At the picture on the right is Molly, is a directors at, at Uber. She taught us how to be a, a research manager. The left one is Edu, he flew from Amsterdam to teach us a lot of those stuff, right? And many more. But again, from these two initiatives, we learned that it's just one time initiative. It's good to like make them super pump. Ah, this is like a new knowledge. But we want to have more consistency of our learning. So we were thinking, how about if we just make our own conference? So that's what we do. So we call this Bukawapak Design Run Ups, where we have this conference every month in Jakarta. For example, if you see the, the red pictures, is the last conference that we had. So we invite people from Facebook, from Jakarta, from Southeast Asia to come to Jakarta and to talk more about this field. It's like a very new field in, in Jakarta, about UX research, about UX design and everything. So this is very good for my team to feel confidence that hey, actually, we are not that far behind All other practitioners in the region, like Singapore, Malaysia, and and also bring them more like consistency, like every month I will learn something new from these speakers. So this is the third initiative. But what is the problem with this is that all of these three initiatives really rely, rely on external peoples. They may not know the problem, the challenge that we have at our companies. So they will say, yeah, it's good to do analogous research in Facebook, pathfinding finding research in Google, but we don't have the time. We don't have the luxury to do those kind of research. Yeah, it's good to do, do those eye-tracking, but, yeah, I mean, like, my problem is yellow or red. Right. So we're thinking, OK, how about if we use all of those knowledge that we have, and then we really apply that to our companies by doing this, what we call peer-to-peer mentoring? So what we do is that we list all of the skills that we have in our teams because, of course, I know that not all of those 144 designers know a lot about generative research, but there must be one or two that is quite good at doing generative research. Or maybe there is one or two that is really good at doing ideation session. So we list all of those mentors, and then we want them to make their own session in the company, and then, it's also helpful because if someone needs, for example, if I'm an associate designers, do not know how to do, making a motion design, then I know who I need to talk to. So we make this uh, peer-to-peer mentoring. We call it Jedi School, because yeah, we are Star Wars fans. <laughs> From this, still, like, our design is still shitty. So I am like, okay, what next, what's next? Like, I already spent a lot of money to invite these speakers, make our own conference, do this peer-to-mentoring, but still, I feel that it's, we haven't made that many journeys. Right? So what's next is like maybe I want them to be more focused. I need like a design mentors that can really focus on one or one development of my team. So what I do next is, I need to hire these design mentors. So I try to find those, the best designers that I can find in Indonesia or worldwide, that, that, or maybe outside of Indonesia who is not mine, who doesn't mind have Indonesian salary, uh, and mentor our teams. So their full-time job is just to coach my teams, to mentor my teams. So every day what they do, if you see their calendar, is just one-on-one to those 144 designers. They teach like a basic skill, hey, wireframe is not a deliverable. Wireframe is a tool to discuss about your design. So that kind of mindset, like a simple mindset, sometimes you need to teach them. Remember, they were trained in machine learning, not in design. So we do this like when we try to really improve our design intuitions by having these design mentors. And the next things with design mentors, those mentors told me, hey, there's one thing that I think your team lack of. is the art of giving and receiving feedback. If you remember my talk, if you come to my talk two years ago, I used this Hofstede cultural models to describe people in Asia. And there are two cultural models that is very close to Indonesian people. is the high power distance and collectivism. What does it mean for us? It means that we tend to speak in indirect in, in ways. So we cannot say that, oh, your design is shitty. You say that, oh, your design can be improved a little bit. Or you cannot say that, hey, uh, I think something wrong with the design. You will say, hey, maybe you want to tweak your design? Uh, and it's hard for them to really giving or asking feedback. While it's a very crucial part of learning because, again, Remember that concept of design intuitions, we need to learn from our wins and our loses. If we don't get feedback, then how can they learn which one that works and which one that doesn't work? So we made this event called design critic battles. So it's like Australian idols, but it's about design critics. So this is like a safe environment where people can just talk bad about other designs. It can be toxic, (laughs) but remember, like we are here in terms of how we are brave enough to give critics. So little, little bit toxicity, toxic things is okay. Like to take this out so that they are out of their comfort zone to give feedback. Yeah. Uh, even we try to change the word from design review to design critic and add one more word, battle, so to make sure that people know that, yeah, you can do whatever you want in this event. So this is where they learn about the art of giving and receiving feedback of their designs, because we know that this is very important for them to, to, to nail or to improve their design intuitions. And then the good thing is like after those events, they can bring the skill back to their squad when they do their like weekly design reviews because now they are more get, get more comfortable in giving and asking for feedback. The seventh one is, is also important. We call it Hall of Shame. <laughs> so basically we create an Instagram account where people can upload things anonymously about four things. The things that they want to keep, the things that they want to drop, the things that they want to improve, or if they want to give kudos to someone else. Again, remember that the context, these are like people who, who don't like to give feedback, they don't want to do re- reflection. not Do not want, but they are they are not used to do it. Okay. It's a, kind of a different culture where the harmony is more important than getting shit done. So, this is, works very well where everyone can just send, uh, upload their screenshot of their design, hey say this release, this design is really bad but my PM approve it and then I need to ship it the next day and I cannot say no. And everyone will learn from it. So the whole design team will learn from other mistakes and they can also learn from, from what the wins of other design members. And we also, in, in, in all of these uh, things, uh, Hall of Shame, Design Critic Battles, we kind of make our mini Hogwarts, so we divide our team into five houses, and they will get points and, and try to gamify the system. And the eight things that we do is we call it Quest. So what is Quest? Quest is, remember that we learn, so, so now at this stage, most of my teams already learn so many things. They learn from their guest speaker, they learn from their design mentors, they learn from those conferences, trying better and better to give feedback, reflection, but now sometimes you don't have time or you don't have the channel to apply those new knowledge. So for example, if they just learn a new method, I learn about doing conjoint analysis, but yeah, the problems that I have, to design product detail pages i cannot just use conjoint analysis i may not have time to do it so what we do is every week we will just disperse some passion projects like can be like around 3 to 5 projects and people can sign up for it so we give them around 20% of their time if they want to use their time to sign up for this project so this project can be literally different with what their roles, so the designers can learn to do research, researchers can learn how to design, and vice versa, so that they can apply those two new, uh, the new knowledge that they, they just learned. Those are the nine initiatives that we do. And then, now we are going to the last one. So with all of this, I learned one thing that the design leadership topic is really important. So, Remember that at the beginning, I tried to hire these design mentors. But it's not very scalable. It's really impossible to make these three mentors to, to be a mentor for all of my designers. So what we do next is trying to make it more scalable by, no, sorry. There was the last one, but this is the ninth one. I will go to the last one first. Mentoring the mentors. So what they do is that the people the design mentors that we hires instead of them mentoring our designers they are they mentor us the design leaders the design managers so that we the design managers can learn from him how to be a good design managers so we do many things for example for example every friday we'll just gather in one place and read a book together you don't need to read a book before that meeting so is is not very tough tasks, so you can just come and read together and discuss what does it mean to be a good design manager. We will change book every month. We will create a framework that all of these design managers can use. For example, you can see that picture there is a framework how to nurture the skill of our designers using SWOT frameworks. Or we even make like a very specific things about what one-on-one mean for us in Bukalapak Design. So, topic to talk about during your one-on-one sessions, you should not do live design or work with your managers. You need to give update of your work. You don't, you should not give update of your work as a primary topic, you can do it via emails. Sometimes when you see this, it's like, oh, it's very obvious, obvious. Do you just state the obvious? But sometimes we need this, again, these design managers they just became a manager one year ago and they don't have any experience how to become a design manager the same thing with me Uh, the one that i uh, skipped the number nine that is also very important is to audit our design tools processes and systems to make sure that the tools, the processes, and the system that we made really foster that learning, that collaboration environments. For example, we recently just changed the tool that we use from Sketch to Figma because we believe that using Figma can foster collaboration more and people can learn from each other more than using Sketch. And we keep auditing the tools, the processes, the design system that we made so to make sure that everyone can learn from each other and learn from the wins and loses from each others. So this is the, the 10 initiatives that we have tried, been trying for the last one years. Some works, some do not, do not work, and we keep iterating. That's why we call it iterative learning section. Uh, and you can see here, the difference between those, The for sure the the one time, is cheaper, the one-time activity is cheaper, is trying to solve low-hanging fruit, but usually it, have, it has low impact, more than the ongoing, the one that rely on internal, the one that we can embed to our day-to-day design process. But sometimes you still need this, this, this axis because, again, we need to drive at the breakneck speed. My CEO will tell you, come on, where is the design? Where is the design? Where is the design? And to be able to to serve that needs, then we need to do both. Yeah. And I will give you one videos of, and from those 10 things that we do, sometimes we combine those. And this is like one video about our summer camp that we do, I think, two months ago. So yeah, that's the theme. Uh, So we did a lot of this, like a combination of the things that I just mentioned to you. Sometimes it's not one one solution for all. Are you ready to see the result? This is the result. So what's the result? Remember this design? This peep, Korean design. so we changed that design around, uh, so this was a design in May 2018, and in September 2018, so around last year, exactly one year ago, we changed to this design. It's not perfect, but in four months, I think we, I think we are quite proud of it. And this, that's the homepage. Uh, and there's the new design of the of the homepage again there was a design last year we are doing another redesigning this this time but i'm quite proud of what we could do in those 4 months so then the next question is like why why i why we do all of this learning why do we design all of this learning process for the teams this is like everyone will have their own reasons, but this is my personal reasons. So her name is Susan, Susan Portolupi. So she was my manager back, back then when I worked at Uber's. Now she works in Facebook also as a research manager. So she is the one, she was the one who hired me to be their senior UX researchers. And can you imagine someone with this very thick accent can work as a UX researcher in SF. It can be like, come on, it's easy, but you know that all of this insecurity that I feel every time I need to write a research report or give a research report with English as my second language, it's really, it's really hard for me. But Susan, knowing all of these limitations that I had, She still hired me, and in those two years where I worked at Uber's, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I met so many really great researchers there. I learned a lot of methods that I would never learn if Susan did not hire me. So I learned a lot about diversity from her. So I asked her at the time, Susan, why did you hire me with all of this limitation that I have? I don't even, if you look. If you look at my accents, for example, I cannot, even until now, I cannot say Bondi beats.
0: <laughs>
1: right. I tried, eh? Okay, good. I cannot say bad shit. I tried so many times, I, can't, I tried so many times in front of mirrors, shit, 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 but still, I cannot say it. Look. But she did hire me. So when I, when I moved back to Indonesia during that time, I ask myself, what does diversity mean for me in Indonesia? What does minority mean in Indonesia? In the US, minority groups may be the black designers, the Latino designers, the LGBTs, but it may mean different in Indonesia. The diversity, the minority groups may be the the designers from East Indonesia, that usually they have lower education level. People who do not go to universities, if you go to Jakarta, talk to those tech startups, you may feel this vibe that the people that you meet come kind of come from the same group, usually like a middle, upper class people who can afford themselves to study abroad, work abroad, and then move back to Jakarta and work in those top tech companies. And usually those are the people that people are trying so hard to hire those top designers or top engineers. Because yeah, we don't have any good design school in, in Indonesia, arguably. So because of Su- Susan, I learned that there is a value of diversity. Yes, with 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 a high performance teams, then you may cover a big chunk of areas, but with more diverse people that can have Cultural addition to your team, then you can cover more people. A good example of of that is I had one designer that is I have one designer that is colorblind. I have one designer who graduated from Pesantren. I don't know whether you know Pesantren. Pesantren is an Islamic school. That what they learn every day is about religion. And from these people, I get a very diverse ideas, diverse insight that work for for the product that we design. For example, if you remember, there's a research from Lyft that why they put the search button in the bottoms because of that is where your thumb can reach it, right? But from our research, from our designers, we found the opposite. Because our users they use our phones like this. So actually, the bottom part are the one that they cannot see. And I would not find that if I don't have this very diverse group of designers. This article, when viral around in July, is one of our designers. He said that I didn't have an undergraduate degree. I didn't go to design school. I have never taken any UX crash course. And I have never lived in a big city where you have all of these kind of cool UX events. However, by my 18th birthday, I had already begun working as a product designer at Bukalapak. He, he was one of the designer behind our first redesigning. And he became like really good designers in his very early age. So, because of Susan, I really want to work with these people. So, this is our ads, jobs ads uh, at Bukalapaks. To single moms, colorblind designers, queers, Twitters, please do your magic. Some of those are innovation insider jokes. To women who cannot marry their girlfriends. uh, UX researchers who want to be a UX designers. UX designers who want to be a UX researchers. Husbands who collect motion action figures and are afraid to tell their wives. (laughs) People who bridge and bridge K-pop. We just want to make sure that we really hire all of these people. They may not have those really cool degree from U-Sydney, U-Melbourne, from Stanford. They may never learn what this Gestalt law is, what Fitts' law is, how to do those generative research, but we really want to make sure if they have all the guts, they have all the motivations to join us, really we will work together with them to be a good designers. Thank you. <laughs> if you have a questions, we still have like 10 minutes. Feel free.
0: SPEAKER Oh. Lunch should be formally ready in about 10 minutes. But does anybody have some questions?
1: Yeah. I to work. Is it
0: the I'm, can I just repeat the question yes. for the, the question was this might be a brutal question, but did, we, did you ever think about starting from scratch and starting hiring new people who came in with those skills? Is that a good paraphrase?
1: You, you had a lot more flavor. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, in fact, in some cases, of course, we cannot say that all, all of those designers that we hire have all of those motivations that is needed to learn all of these new skills. So at that, if we encounter that times, then usually we need to do PIPs with them, like performance in, in, in progress, uh, plan with them. And if they cannot finish that PIP in a good manner, then yeah, sadly, we need to let them go. Yep. Any more questions? If you want to be our guest speakers, mentors, uh, that is the, oh, that's our Instagram account, Park Design. Yeah? Um, respect, what are the, the qualities of a great um, designer? Design managers?
0: The question was, what are the, the key qualities, what makes up a great design manager? Hmm.
1: It's very tough. I myself just became a design manager for the last one and a half years. But one thing that I, I learned a lot for the last one and a half year is to not to not be hands on too much. Sometimes when I look at research problems because I used to be an IC, I say I really want to do this. Like I give like a very specific feedback really direct them to one specific direction that I want, but sometimes I need to know that, yes, they may may take time longer to learn about those stuff, but I will need to let them to fail so that they can learn from these mistakes. That's one thing, and the second that is very important is the art of giving feedback. I think there's still skill that I need to learn a lot, because maybe since I live abroad for quite long years, then I tend to become harsh to them. Uh, so I need to learn like really to tone down how and when, when I give feedback to them. So, and vice versa, some of my managers are not really comfortable in giving like a harsh feedback, so they need to learn how to do that too. So I think those two things that I learned in the last one years. I don't think that's like a really, uh, a silver bullet answer for, for your questions. Yeah, but that's what I learned. Yes? Yes. For example, so, just yeah,
0: just go ahead. Um, So the question was, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the question is like, even though the app looks, the design looks cool, yes. but does the research prove that it increased the metrics? Yes, otherwise they will not send me here, I guess. <laughs> uh, and I will lose my job already, I think. For example, after we redesigned our first product detail page, we increased our revenue by 7% just by the design. But again, it's not something that we can plot off because the, 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 the previous design is like that, right? Uh, so yeah, we, we really we really measure those design changes. My boss doesn't know anything about designs. If he, if he can, he will make all those space to be CTAs, big, red CTAs, because that's what works in Indonesia. So we really need to fight hard to find in the middle, where it works in Indonesia, but we also want to give good design for, for Indonesians. Yeah. Yes?
0: How easy is it for UX designers to
1: immigrate to Indonesia? UX designers to what? To
0: immigrate. They want to come work
1: Oh, over you. it's very easy. <laughs> it's very easy as long as you can survive with Indonesian salary. You can work remotely from Bali. Yes?
0: The question was, it looked like in the redesign that the search bar had less prominence than you would have expected. And Can you yeah. explain why that?
1: So, so at that time, we defined our use case into three use case, uh, exploring, dreaming, and locating. And we found out that actually most of our users don't go to our website just for locating. So the majority of them are actually using our app for dreaming and exploring. So either they don't know anything what to buy, or they have one specific category, but they're not sure which product that they want to buy. So that's why we somehow prioritize these two use cases, the dreaming and exploring use case, other than the locating use case. Yes? Yep.
0: So the question was: uh, You talked a lot about the the cultural differences around what you learned from San Francisco and working in the Australian market, as an example. What could we learn from working in the Indonesian market or in other Asian markets, as an example?
1: Okay, I think one thing that I learned, I don't know whether I can say this, is that sometimes, sometimes, uh, people just talk just for sake of talking. <laughs> well, we are on the opposite extremes, that we, we are not that brave enough to talk or to give our opinions. But I was in those meetings where people just talk, 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 and talk, and talk, just for sake of talking. And then, so what is the action plan? What's the next thing, right? So I think that's what uh, the thing that I, I learned from my gigs in, in the Western countries. So we
0: should stop talking. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should listen a little more. And maybe we should stop having meetings. How Oh my god. Could yeah. we
1: do work? We have, we have no meeting Wednesday.
0: You have no meeting Wednesday. Yeah.
1: So that they can design. Yeah. So we could actually do our work. Yeah. Wow.
0: This is something. Yes. So the question was that you in this past year, you've really focused on design craftsmanship. What's the next year's goal? Are you are you
1: shifting? Yeah, there are still a lot of homeworks that we have. For example, design like a carrier path and ladder. So when I join, I separate the IC path and manager track, so you can be a really good designer or you can be a manager. Because in Indonesia, usually if you want to be you get more salary, and then you need to be a manager. But not every designers want to be a, desi- a manager, and not every designer is a good managers. But because of that cultures, that's why we end up with a lot of shitty managers in Indonesia. Because that's the only way to be to get higher salary. So we we need to really, we really need to change the cultures that you can be really good designers. It's okay. You don't need to be managers. You don't want. You don't want to spend your time just for meetings every day, right? Uh, and it's, they needed they needed very clear to be very clear like my the competencies what are my current competencies and what should I do uh, to be able to to be promoted to be a senior designers to be uh, principal designers so that is very clear. Another homework that we have is our design system. That again that field is still very young in Indonesia, so I need to hire someone from from Oset of Indonesia for this particular matter because yeah we don't have the skill set for that. So we are still working on our design system. Design operations and research operations is also painful. Can you imagine we need to audit or we need to manage tools and processes for 144 designers? How they can collaborate, how can they give design from one designer to other designers? So that's why we really need to operationalize this design inside the company. And last, not but least, is I know it's a buzzword, but have it, to get that seat at the tables, I still really want it. Like, I, I, I want to make sure that my designers and my researchers are not seen as a second-level citizen in the company, that what they do is just usability testing and pushing pixels. I want them to be, to get that seat where they can sit with XBEN consultant or XBCG consultant and can really give uh, a good insight. But to be able to get that seat at the tables and I, I need to make sure that my team also do their works, that we can get the trust because it's like a two-way street, right? So a lot of homework, uh, but yeah, we, we are working on it.
0: Well, let's just thank you again for actually sharing that whole story with us.